Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Welcome to the Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and SAP. The Business of Marketing is where you get to hear from business leaders and innovators on how CMOs work collaboratively with their C-suite partners to drive business transformation. So, for anyone who is a CMO or aspiring to join the C-suite, this podcast will provide you with a deep dive into how to create cross-functional teams, establish clear internal communications, invest in customer centricity, drive technology innovation, and develop talent for the future. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Welcome to episode five of the Business of Marketing podcast. I'm Toby Daniels, Chief Innovation Officer at Adweek. For those of you who are new to the podcast, let me take a minute to introduce you to our show. Marketing, as a function, touches almost every part of the organization, and marketers play an outsized role in almost every enterprise, large or small. The Business of Marketing podcast aims to provide a platform for business leaders, regardless of their core function, to explore the role of marketing in driving business transformation. Past episodes have featured Nuno Tellez, the president of Diageo Beer Company, Kevin Hodgman, who is the U.S. president of KFC and Pizza Hut at Yum, Michael Fracaro, who's the chief people officer at MasterCard, and Janie Whiteside, who is the chief customer officer of Walmart. 
The Business of Marketing is presented in partnership with SAP. And on this week's episode, we are delighted to host a conversation with Peter Fagan, who is the president of the Milwaukee Bucks. And he's joined by Dustin Godsey, who is the Milwaukee Bucks' chief marketing officer. This was a great conversation to have, especially at this time as the world slowly begins to turn a corner regarding the pandemic. And as businesses begin to think about the safe and responsible ways to reopen offices, and in the case of the Milwaukee Bucks, when to open stadiums and to begin hosting fans again. Not only do we spend time talking about how the Bucks are approaching this challenge and how the pandemic has impacted their business, but we also touched on how innovating around the virtual live experience has actually brought them closer to their fans. We also took time to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests from 2020, and why they and their players chose to take a stand following George Floyd's murder, and how their core values guided them as a business during this time. I really hope you enjoy this conversation and hearing from Peter and Dustin as much as I did. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. So today we are joined by two outstanding business leaders who represent one of the most exciting basketball franchises in the NBA today. Peter Fagan, who serves as president, and Dustin Godsey, who is the chief marketing officer of the Milwaukee Bucks. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Toby. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. All right. So I'm going to ask a question of both of you to begin with. How has this past year for you personally and professionally? I can't imagine the kind of challenges that you've faced and had to overcome over the course of this period. I think it's navigating waters you've never seen before. And how do you continue to create forecast plan and know that you're going to pivot and know that you do not know what the future is and really keep your priorities, you know, really on top of your mind of all the time of where is the health and wellness of all the folks that uh, work with you? Where is the turnaround and the restart for your business? And how are you prepared to start it up and continuing to look forward in a big way? But this has been, you know, much like for yourself and the rest of the world, something everybody's experiencing in different ways. You know, we run a city. We, we've got over, you know, 2,000 employees. We have an operation. We've got people's livelihoods that have stopped. We've got professional sports, emotion, passion that have paused for a while. So we, we've been kind of rolling with the punches and pivoting as well as we can and kind of, you know, I'd say everywhere from suffering to coping to striving and trying to, trying to stave at the ladder as much as possible. How about you, Dustin? Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of, of what Peter's saying, but it's been incredible, you know, not only the COVID portion of it, not having live sports for, for so long and then going through, but it feels like every couple months, you know, the world changes again. So as soon as you feel like you, you sort of have things figured out and, and understand what's going on and have a good sense of, you know, your team that you're working with and, and people, something else seems to have bubbled up within the last year. So I think it's just been that, that constant motion that, that's kept us going. And like everybody, you know, obviously our, our business worlds have, have turned upside down. Our, our personal lives have, have turned upside down. You know, I have a, a five-year-old. So learning how to, to be a kindergarten teacher part-time 
in the middle of it. You know, it's the same thing everybody's dealing with from that standpoint. I think it's really, as Peter said, trying to stay ahead of things, understand that you don't know what's coming next and just kind of keep churning. Well, we have a ton to cover today, including how the Bucks have transformed themselves from a less recognizable NBA franchise to one of the most exciting and talked about teams in sports, all the way through to how the franchise has navigated through this past year to how you plan to open up the stadium to a limited number of fans. And we're also going to spend some time talking about the rise of Yanis and how he has impacted the business, the brand, and of course, the relationship with your fans. And then also, if we have time, we'll spend a little bit of time discussing your response to the Black Lives Matter movement. So let's start with COVID, right? We've touched on this already, but let's go back to March of last year. Can you describe how the situation unfolded for you and provide us a little bit of color regarding how decisions were made among you and your C-suite colleagues, your management staff and your players at the point at which it was obvious to you that COVID was going to have a pretty monumental impact on your business and on live sports in general. Peter? Yeah, I think, you know, almost a day, you know, uh, maybe 10 days from now, day to to the year, uh, the first NBA game was canceled. And and very quickly, we were certainly having the dialogue of COVID and what it might mean to the league and operations. But certainly, I think nobody, including myself, thought we would have like an immediate stoppage of play. And I think when that happened, we certainly immediately started to cancel, close operations, kind of get into... Um, real protective mode and shut down the offices, much like a lot of other people did, and really kind of sit for a moment and try to navigate what would be next. You know, is this short term? I don't think any of us thought that we would be shut down for another, you know, two to three months before we could figure out that we'd create a bubble in Orlando and finish the season and play the playoffs there. So it was kind of a surreal moment and a surreal time, but you know, the DNA of teams and operations were sports entertainment, hospitality business, like everybody's got that kind of ability to, to turn on a dime and be able to really react and figure out like how to solve things. Cause we're all operators, but uh Yeah, it was a real moment. It was no gray area. We stopped playing basketball one night and then it was like, what's next? I mean, the moment has in some ways defined us, right? Especially in the business world. How how do you think when you look back pre-COVID, how do you think you as a leader, but also as a business and organization were prepared for it? Well, let's just think about it. You know, as a CEO, I would tell you, I spend... 75, 85% of my time on the PL and and like, where are we driving revenue? How are we becoming profitable? What's our life cycle of, of a fan? What's the value of that? How is our enterprise valued, like in a big way? And instantaneously, your, your mind share is completely put upside down and you are worried about the survival of your coworkers. You are worried about the survival of your business. You are worried about communicating in real time, even if you don't know the answers in a place. And you are really trying to be calm, you know, on a ship where you have no idea where it's going. So, you know, it literally turns upside down on the leadership paradigm of what, what are we focused on and what are we doing? And the number one thing was, you know, as an organization, we're all in it together. So, 
we will figure this out. No idea what the answer is, but we will figure this out together. And I, I think it's helped us specifically kind of navigate over the last 12 months. I mean, you touched on the ways in which it would obviously impact the business and in particular the PL. How did the lockdown, at least initially and immediately, affect the business? And then subsequent to kind of getting some sense of what that might look like, how did you figure out what your pathway through would need to be to kind of mitigate that impact and mitigate the risk to the commercial side of the operation? Yeah, it's a great question because it's a lot of balance. Immediately, your business goes to zero. When you are not broadcasting, when you are not entertaining fans, you know, our ticket revenue is 40 to 45% of, of revenue. Think of the broadcast revenue, partnerships, sponsorships, digital, there are, other, there are other funnels. But immediately when you stop playing NBA basketball and shut down your arena or your stadium, your revenue goes to zero and you start, you, you start losing money pretty quickly because you have a massive overhead of human capital and you have massive infrastructures of big buildings to keep open and, and continue to run. So I think your immediate, you know, on a on a PL and operations basis is where's cost containment? How do we how do we literally kind of contain, solidify, and and get into a mode where we can get through this for a period of time? So we did what a lot of businesses did and really kind of started to forecast and navigate like how, you know, is this three months, six months, 12 months, and how can we operate at the lowest cost possible before we restart? Dustin, how, how did your relationship with the fans change during this time? I mean, what were some of the, the biggest challenges that you had to figure out how to overcome, particularly from a communication standpoint, right? I can only imagine how hard it must have been to know who to listen to, right? Particularly in regards to the media, right? How do you access reliable and trustworthy sources of information that will enable you to communicate with your fans in a way that would feel trustworthy and reliable from the Milwaukee Bucks standpoint? So how did the relationship change and how did you navigate things from a communications point of view? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes to right at the very beginning as we were talking about, we were, we were trying to figure things out along the way as well, you know, knowing that the season kind of was shutting down that, you know, we're driven by a calendar that is is sort of our North Star a lot of times in terms of how we're communicating, what our, our communication patterns are. It's the season, it's the draft, it's, uh, you know, going back into training camp. When that, when that goes away, you do have to sort of take a step back and, and really start to think about what that relationship with your fans is. You know, we, we have, kind of three audiences with the the live events audience, obviously the, the people are coming to the building, your ticket holders, that point goes away, but there's still our, our local community who, who we are a big ambassador for and a big partner with. And then there's the the 75% of fans that, that are outside of Milwaukee, but still going through this, this thing as well. So, you know, without the basketball part of it, I think for us pretty quickly, what we did is, is pivoted to listening to the experts, listening to, to the league and the, the guidance they're they're giving us on things, working with our local partners, the city health commission, the, the state, our healthcare partners, and really realizing pretty quickly that, that what we had was a voice and, and an audience of, of people who, again, are all going through this thing together and an opportunity for us to, to really help those partners 
you know, spread that information, whether that's using our, our players to do PSAs, to just being a resource for working with partners on, on putting together masks and, and just reacting at the time and, and understanding that none of us knew what was, what the answers were, but we knew we had that voice and kind of that responsibility to, to use that, to, to help bring people together in that, at that point in time. Peter, what's your assessment of how well the NBA did during that period, particularly you know, as a partner to you, but also as a, a, a sort of a, a point of authority? It was essential that they were providing leadership during obviously this extraordinarily difficult time. How would you assess how well they did? Well, I think we set the example, you know, so extremely well. I think the, the NBA is a collaborative. It's a board of governors. It's certainly the teams compete viciously against each other on the court, but literally collaborate together to have the, you know, really kind of an unstoppable entity. And for us, we became, you know, Adam Silver is, is truly one of these visionary leaders that circles the wagons and has all the preeminent leaders in, in health, in social science, in everything you can imagine. And our league becomes kind of one of the barometers for public safety overnight. And I think our experiment, you know, went successful in Orlando as we were able to contain COVID during, you know, some high, high peaks. And that really laid the ground for us to steadily continue kind of our process and protocols to, to get a season started. So, I, I mean, I'm extremely biased as you can imagine, but I think we did really well and we set the groundwork for other professional sports leagues to be able to follow. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Absolutely. And I think once the NBA established its protocols, right, and once games inside the bubble started, it was just really interesting to then look at and observe the ways in which the NBA and the individual teams started to think about the fan experience, right? How did you approach this? Like, how did you think about innovation around the live experience without fans actually in 
the stadium and and what what do you think are some of those ideas that will continue to be part of the fan experience in the future yeah i mean i think for us it, it was a few different things one of the big positive things coming out of this last year is really it it allowed us to to take a moment away from from those games even starting i would say probably april after we we got our legs under us a little bit and, and kind of understood the situation a little bit better of accelerating our roadmap a little bit and and really starting to take a look at what what we were going to need to be you know coming out of this and and how not only we could figure out just our way around the the protocols that might happen during covid but how could we put solutions in place that are going to improve that experience as we move forward at some point we're going to be back to to full arenas so we we wanted to make sure we weren't sort of wasting this opportunity to to develop what the next generation of our business is going to look like so everything on our side from you know we really looked a lot on on the content side of how we were communicating with fans really what that that next generation of that and and the streaming services and everything else are coming out just how we really start to to put together and think about content i think how we use digital and how we connect fans within the the live experience in the arena how we start to to put that all together and and, and really create that fan experience from a standpoint of our food and beverage to retail within our our entertainment district downtown milwaukee how we connect all of those pieces and start putting that together and then I think when you get into the arena, obviously the, the virtual fans in the bubble and how you bring people together, we know that across the NBA, 90% of NBA fans are never actually going to come into an arena. So how we start to connect those people through, whether it's those virtual experiences that, that we had to do necessarily in the bubble to things we're doing now with extended pregame shows and, and bring that experience that people physically until a couple of weeks ago weren't allowed to be a part of and how we start to, to generate ideas to bring that into people's homes to really expand what that experience of going to the arena is like to everybody. Well, we're going to come back to this subject again towards the end as I'm really interested to understand the ways in which you're currently bringing fans back to the live experience and also learn some of the ways in which you think COVID will impact live sports going forward. But before we do, Peter, I want to spend some time talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests around the country, which, as we know, took center stage last year following the murder of George Floyd. Talk about this moment. Why do you think it was such a pivotal moment, both in regards to the BLM movement, but more importantly, in terms of players taking a stand, but also with the support of your organization? Yeah, I think like your words towards the end of that really kind of says like we have this global platform that is fueled by the players, you know, so not only do you have your billions that are viewing, you have your billions that are following players that are on the platform that are communicating. And there was a moment in which the world paused of which the Milwaukee Bucks were the catalyst for that. And that was significant and that was a big deal. And I think like if you wrapped it up, we, we internally and externally really call it about the equality, you know, quotient, like there is a time, there is a place. And I think when you think about what was happening in our backyard in Kenosha, Wisconsin and, and kind of the unrest and the injustice, it was really a moment in time where our organization really took a foot forward and, and stood up for what we believe in and, and that comes like directly from ownership, that comes directly from management, and most importantly, comes directly from players. So we're all aligned in such a, such a great way. And I think because there was this pause, 
it allowed us who thought we were extremely progressive, like the Milwaukee Bucks, realize maybe we, we had some ways to go and we can really leverage our platform again to kind of scream about equality from the mountaintop in, in, in such a big way to, to get it done. So, so we used it as a real opportunity. We used it as a springboard, like a lot of other organizations did to, to kind of look at ourselves internally and look at ourselves externally. But I think in general, that is the power of the platform and what sports can do in communities and in social settings. And it was, it was one of the prouder moments of mine personally as part of the organization. Well, what was of particular interest to us and also what I think is actually important for our audience, C-suite leaders to understand and to potentially learn from is that the potential risk to your business and brand was significant, right? You sort of ignored the fact that you had like the NBA's best record during this, the regular season, the league's best player, and probably the best chance for a Bucks team to win a world championship for the first time in 49 years. But your players refused to leave their locker room for Wednesday's opening tip-off around that particular time. Can you talk a little bit more about how your organization came together during that time and, and why you felt it was important to take a stand despite the potential risk to the business? Yeah, I think the risk to the business is real. The events, when you stand for something that's polarizing because there's a there's certainly a population that doesn't agree with you and doesn't think of it. We've experienced that. We've certainly probably alienated some fans who think differently. And I think for us as an organization, really kind of led by ownership to, to think standing for the right things for the right reasons really makes it important. I think the fact that the players were a big part of this catalyst as an organization really helped us kind of push it forward in, in a big way and put a multiplier on it right away. But, but listen, running a business, you've got to make decisions. And I think we go in eyes wide open and in, in thinking, especially in a polarized state like Wisconsin, you know, like people say it's a, it's a purple state. Well, yes, because it's half red, half blue, but the truth is it's very red or it's very blue. Like there's not much purple. And so things that you touch on the social side and the political side can be very polarizing to, to get it done. And I think for us as an organization, we think we are big citizens of the state of Wisconsin. We wanna stand for equality among all people. We wanna stand for what's fair. And, and, and that really gave us the chance to do that. And I think for all of us, like we knew there would be consequences on some of our fan, but the opposite side, which is great, Toby, is as, as much negative as we've gotten about it, the, the, the multiplier on the positive side has been incredible. So you certainly think about the distractors that are upset, but the affinity that we gained with people who, who thought the same way and kind of were proud of their association with the team tremendously outweighs any attrition we have of, of fans or business. And truthfully, why we were super excited to speak to you guys, because you know, I think that you took a stand and that means something, particularly in the business world. And these stories are the stories that we want to give a voice to, particularly on this on this podcast. Dustin, let's come back to the COVID recovery for a minute. So first, can you give us a sense of how you think the rest of the year is going to play out in general? 
Yeah, I think for us, it's, you know, we're taking it step by step as we go through and, and you know, following the science, following our, our partners and the, the direction from, you know, locally with the city and with the league. We recently have started letting fans back into the building here the, the last couple of weeks. So we've we've seen what that looks like. We've been able to, to see what what are, what the protocols and the changes we put in place over the last year have meant and, and be able to, to stress test those a little bit. And I think we're building towards and anticipating that 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 capacity will continue to grow as we go through the rest of the season and, and into the playoffs. We obviously have the sports side. We also have the arena side. We're booking events and, you know, concert tours are starting to come back online for third, fourth quarter this year, first, second quarter next year. So it's, it's positive to see that sort of thing come back around and, and start to get a little bit of a sense of normalcy. We're doing research. We're looking at research from our partners from from the league you know the interesting thing on surveys and and that sort of thing on where people's comfort levels are of coming back to live events is oftentimes by the time those results come out something else has happened you know the vaccine rollout has started and it's sort of changed that so it's a little bit of a moving goalpost on some of that but i think on the ground the feeling is we're, we're starting to to turn a corner a little bit obviously we're we're trying on our side to make sure that it's we're doing everything in the, the most responsible way that, that really pays attention to the health and safety of our fans and our players and our staff first and foremost. So we're going to be, be smart and take it step by step from that standpoint. But for the rest of the year, it, it definitely feels like a, a little bit of a sense of optimism is returning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it feels like we're turning a little bit of a corner, although we've sort of been here before, of course. Peter, if you wouldn't mind just expanding on this a little bit, because I just think it's so important for people to understand, particularly given the fact that you are taking just like such a cautious uh, approach in terms of moving forward, in terms of opening up, in terms of allowing a limited number of fans to come into the stadium. Talk us about the mechanics of those steps to get to full capacity. Yeah, so I'll give it to you in engineering terms, Toby. We're going to mm-hmm. crawl, we're going to walk, and then we're going to run. And we're in the crawl phase now. It, it really is a logistical challenge to figure out social distancing, to figure out testing within a red zone of 30 feet of the court, to think about traffic flows. And to Dustin's point earlier, it's kind of accelerated our thoughts on technology, on housekeeping, on food service, like in in all different ways. How is it touchless? How is it cashless? How is it done, you know, efficiently and economically are the questions we ask now in real time to balance it. And again, it's one of these situations where we continue to learn. I think as we get success and the COVID numbers go down and the vaccination numbers go up, like we'll get to the next chapter of what does it mean to have a vaccinated audience? You know, what are the protocols? for that. So we continue to kind of learn and navigate. We, like every other arena and stadium and in the world, are really partnered with our local health department to kind of help us navigate that. So I think this is a journey we'll be in, you know, going into much of next year as well. I mean, there are, of course, you know, a percentage of people who, within their rights, choose not to get vaccinated. Do you imagine or to envision a future whereby those people will not be granted access into your stadiums? I don't know if they'll be not granted access to stadiums, but I certainly think they'll be segmented. I certainly think they'll be 
there'll be positives for, for folks who are vaccinated versus not vaccinated for those who are tested to not, I think it's a safety kind of quotient. I think as we, as we look to maintain and, and grow the audience and capacity, it's one of the things you have to look for. So not sure of like the mechanism or what we're going to do, but I think like the encouragement is a vaccinated crowd for the safety of others is kind of where, where do we want to lean towards. All right, switching gears. So this is a podcast that aims to help CMOs and future C-suite leaders understand how marketing can drive business transformation. And we'd like for you to share your responses to a couple of questions, starting with you, Dustin. What advice do you have for CMOs who are looking to form productive and collaborative partnerships with other members of the C-suite? Look, I think the fun thing about being in in marketing and, and and being in, in this role is the brand touches a part of everything we do. So, you know, for us, it's easy for me to work with different partners within our organization with, within, with different departments to go through and, and really be able to bring the perspective of, of what we're trying to, to say from a, a brand standpoint, but also that connection to, to our fans and, and our customers and, and be able to bring those insights. I, I don't think any of us, and we have a great culture within our organization that, that Peter's really helped foster. And we are, our senior team has, has really been together for, for quite a while. So there's that continuity. And so, you know, for us, it's none of us can do it alone. And I think we all recognize that and go through. We talked a little bit about the fan experience in the building on, on a food and beverage side to be able to put together the things we've done to sort of reinvent how something as simple as selling hot dogs and, and beer in, in the arena has taken our, our partnerships team, our corporate sales team, bringing in up big partners there, our technology team, the fine, everybody coming together to, to do that. So I think if you have a, a really clear view of what your business objectives are, um, I think that helps from a, a marketing standpoint of being able to, to go out and help solve those problems for others. You know, I would say I'm a, a marketing person who tends to listen a lot more than talk, which is maybe not the uh, the normal personality of somebody in my role. But I think that's that's where it starts is, is listening and understanding, again, what what the business side of things is and what those objectives are. And, and then putting together the plan for for how you can do that from a brand standpoint. Peter, as president, what are the most important skills that you think you need and also have refined over the course of your career that helps to foster a culture of cooperation? among your C-suite colleagues? Yeah, I mean, we probably are over uh, communicative, which I know is a rare thing to say. I mean, we kind of preach transparency like across, we have weekly and uh, bi-weekly meetings across the management of like the entire company to let everybody know what's going on and where for, for two reasons, like let's get other ideas, let's make sure everybody's informed. Like it's a fast moving train, but I think, you know, the most important thing is people understand what the goals and objectives are and people understand the rationale behind decisions. I think what really gets folks off the track is, is not understanding why certain things are done, what we're doing, you know, and, and when we're doing them, the, the what, where, why, who, those are all answers internally that should be answered before you make, uh, certainly internally, before you go externally. And I really spend a lot of time trying to make that happen so there are no surprises. And, and by the way, to get buy-in, and get uh, cooperation and collaboration going in a big way. So, so it really is about, we're a big team. I mean, we're in a team sport, we're in sports. So we're all about like, how do we really maximize and everybody's additive to the equation? 
All right, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask you both one more question that I hope will provide some inspiration and guidance for our listeners, many of whom, as I mentioned before, are aspiring C-level executives or CMOs and senior marketers. So what's the one leadership lesson that you've learned during this past year, Peter? The ability to say, I don't know. Dustin? Yeah, I mean, very, very similar. I think it's it's being okay with with being vulnerable and and having the human human side and having that connection with with people i think we were all in a, a situation where we literally had no idea what was going on it was okay to say that and it was okay to let people know that you understand that they're probably struggling because you're struggling with things too and i think that's an important thing we all got to get in touch with this last year vulnerability humility and empathy have been words that have come up so much in these leadership focused conversations and it seems to me like you both have all of those attributes in spades so congratulations sincerely on everything that you've managed to accomplish and how you've navigate what has obviously been an extraordinarily difficult year thank you both also for joining us here on the podcast and sharing this story with our audience peter dustin much thanks great appreciation have a great rest of your day thank you thanks Tony. Thanks for listening to The Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and presented in partnership with SAP. The Business of Marketing is produced by Al Manorino. The executive producer is Brian Leddy. Support also provided by Erica Perry and Julian Gamboa. Please take a minute to subscribe and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.